the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas without any data to back that up. Bringing you the latest in all sports news from KCAC to AAC to the NBA to the NFL to the NCAA. You get all of that right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Yes, this is a Friday, and it is a football Friday. And today, I'm going to start things off by looking here in the Kansas region, pretty much, as I'm taking a dive off into looking at the KCAC. That's right. These are the small colleges in the state of Kansas that play football on Saturdays. And I'm also elated to let you know that I do have a guest coming up here shortly. In the name of A.B. Stokes. Able to reach out to him and he was gracious enough to say, you know what? I will be aboard on the train ride. So I am very elated to have A.B. Stokes coming up in a few minutes. And, uh. Right now, what I want to do is, before we get started, I want to take a look right now at the standings in the KCAC. Uh, they have a couple of divisions. They're split up in two divisions, and probably if I don't get to it on this show, I'm going to get to it on my next show, because they have what's called the Dr. Ted Kissinger division and they also have the Franklin Gene Bizzle division and there are at least a total of as I'm looking at this at least looking at I think 12 I'm looking at 12 teams 12 teams in the KCAC and they're split up into two divisions like I said, the Dr. Ted Kissinger Division and the Franklin Gene Bissell Division. Uh, and right now, what we're looking at, uh, as far as the standings, they haven't gotten into division play yet. But right now, starting with the Ted Kissinger Division, you have Evangel University coming in at 6-0. Southwestern College, 6-0. Right behind them is Fringe University right here in the city of Wichita at 5-1. You have McPherson College coming in at 4-2. And, and Bethel College, which is coached by A.B. Stokes, coming in at 3-3. Three and, three. and right behind them is Bethany coming in at 1-4. In the Franklin Gene Bissell Division, you have Kansas Wesleyan University coming in at 4-2. and two. 
University of St. Mary's coming in at 2-4. and four. Avila College or Avila University coming in at 1-5. and five. Ottawa University coming in at 1-4. and four. Sterling College coming in at 1-5. and five. And Tabor coming in at 1-5. and five. So it looks as if the strong division resides in the Ted Kissinger division. So it would be very interesting to see how things stack up with uh, the remainder of the uh, season as we get ready to get Mr. A.B. Stokes on the line. Uh, I'm elated because, like I say, I am honored to get this young man on and also I'm honored as I expand my podcast to look at other avenues and the KCAC is one that I even have their network on my laptop, on my tablet. I can watch their games and be in tune. And I can tell you right now, Bethel College, they have a very powerhouse running game. I've seen their games, and they will run you. They will run you to the ground. They will just pretty much line up and play smash mouth, old-fashioned football, and pretty much just blow you off the line. Uh, so I am elated, like I said, to have this guest on this morning, Mr. A.B. Stokes. Some of the things I can tell you about him before I call him in looking at the makeup of who he is as I give you an introductory on who A.B. Stokes is. He's actually played the game. Uh, he pretty much, A.B. Stokes, before returning to Bethel, Stokes has spent the last two years that has spent two years at Lincoln Christian School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he served as an assistant football coach as well as head wrestling coach. While launching a first-year wrestling program, Stokes also helped football team achieved a 12-1 and record and a state runner-up finish. So he's worn many a hats, as you can see here. Uh, during his first stint at Bethel, Stokes spent time as the offensive coordinator 2018 and associate head coach director of recruiting in 2019. So something tells me he definitely has an eye for talent. In 2018, the Thresher offense finished the season averaging more than 274 rushing yards per game, the third most nationally. The 2018 team had three all-KCAC second-team players and 13 total all-KCAC award recipients. Bethel finished the 2019 season with a record of 8-3, second in the KCAC. They were ranked in the NAIA Top 25 for the first time since 2008 and ended the year as the number four Number 24 team in the polls. The 2019 Threshers had two NAIA All-Americans, KCAC Special Teams Player of the Year, and six All-KCAC First Team players and recorded 19 total conference awards. Uh, Stokes spent six years at Larned High School before his first stint with the Threshers, where he served as the head football coach as well as the head track 
and Phil Coach. So these are just some of the uh, accolades. Uh, he was also able to lead the Indians past several milestones during his tenure in Western Kansas, including ending a 28-year playoff drought and winning back-to-back playoff, back-to-back first-round playoff games for the first time in the program history. What led him to uh, Bethel? Well, Stokes played at played for Andy Lambert at Trinity International University in Deerfield, Illinois, from 2003 to 2005. Before following Lambert to Sterling, Kansas College, where Stokes finished his collegiate career, football career, 2005-2006. Stokes also coached receivers for the for Sterling for three semesters following the conclusion of his playing career. And upon return to Bethel, Stokes takes over a perennial running powerhouse. The freshers have led the country in rushing yards each of those last two years before he arrived. So he is definitely a coach to keep an eye on. And like I say, I am very elated and thrilled. And I am getting ready to get him on the line here. So just hold tight here as I give him a call. Looking forward to having him on here. Yes, sir, coach. Get my wires up here mixed up here. I do. I can you hear me? Okay, hold on. Okay, I believe I got you in here. Sometimes technology can be your best friend or it can also be your worst enemy. Yes, sir. All right. There we go. I got you now. So I was looking at some of your profile here and just setting the stage for you. And first of all, I want to welcome you into the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you. And I was looking at some of the accomplishments. I've seen that you were at Larnard. You also played at Deer, in Deerfield, Illinois. Uh, with uh, under Coach Lambert, and he brought you to Sterling College where you finished your collegiate career. And then from there, everything just pretty much took off. And I had the opportunity because I made sure I downloaded the KCAC Network app. I want to see that brand of football. And the first thing that sticks out in my mind is you're old school to the core. You line them up. You punch them in the mouth. You run the ball. And pretty much kind of like Bill Snyder did at K-State. This is what we're going to do. Y'all know what we're going to do. Now stop us. Yeah, we try. You know, I feel like sometimes, if you know, the if you, if you try to do too much, you know, it could, it could slow you down instead of uh, you guys knowing what it is that you're going to do and trying to do it to, you know, do it as best they can. I think that, I think that in any program, man, that can be a recipe for, uh, for success. Absolutely. So, Looking at some of the credentials and how your team has fared in the national rankings as far as top offensive, especially with that ground game. <clears throat> and you're at Bethel College now. You've been there for, what, roughly how many years now? This is my second season as a head coach. Second season as head coach. Yes. But you're not new to recruiting. So how do you get the caliber of players to come to Bethel College? Well, man, the biggest thing is, you know, we, we go out, we, we, we look for good players, and we, we kind of have uh, areas that, 
that have been been good to us uh, in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, and then some in uh, in California. We have those areas, and you know, we we go out, we find we find the players, and, and the biggest thing is just getting them on campus so that they can kind of see uh, what what Bethel College is. Because you know, when you're recruiting to an NAIA school, uh, sometimes people just don't know what to expect uh, because you know all all they know about college football is really what they see on TV. So the biggest thing is getting people on campus and, and showing them, you know, how, how great a campus it is and, you know, the, the environment of, with, with the players and the coaches and the game day. And, uh, you know, and the, the rest kind of, you know, it, it generates the interest and, and it gives them, you know, it kind of gives them an opportunity to see football, uh, you know, in a, in a different light at these smaller schools. And so that that's really, that's really what we try to do is get as many kids on campus as possible. And and looking into your background a little bit, one of the things I uh, look at is, you know, the type of character, what you bring to the table and what it is you offer. And one of the things, and I have no qualms about sharing this on my podcast, one is you are a man of faith and a man of integrity. So something tells me when you go out and recruit these kids, that's also the same things that are in you is the same qualities that you're looking for in these players, not just how good they play, but what they're going to be at, what they're going to be beyond the playing field. Yeah, absolutely, man. We, we love to bring in people who are like-minded, uh, but in the, in the same token, you know, we, we do take, we'll take chances on, on uh, student athletes because, you know, it's, it's some people who, who need, you know, they need that, that positive role model. They need that, that person of faith in their life who's going to, who's going to speak into them, you know what I mean? So we, we, we do, uh, we do try to find student athletes who are, are, are like-minded and, and, you know, you do, you, you need, you need those guys uh, on your team, but, you know, we won't, we won't pass up on a, on a player. If, if there are, you know, we've taken people from different situations, transferred, uh, um, you know, maybe, maybe gotten into trouble or things like that. And, and uh, it's we, we've we've had some success and we've had some 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 fail, but uh, it, it doesn't deter me from from trying on, on on the right person. What I feel like the right person is. Absolutely, I'm looking at the uh, standings here, and I looked at the Dr. Ted Kissinger division, the division that you're in, and I also looked at the Bissell division, and based on what I'm seeing, it would appear that the stronger division is absolutely the Ted Kissinger division. When you look at the top of, you have Evangel, Southwestern College, Friends University right here in the city, Wichita, where I'm at, McPherson. Uh-huh. Then you're coming in at three and three, and then you have uh-huh. Bethany coming in at one and four. Yeah. So that would be your top heavy division. So what would it take to overcome those top echelon teams? Well, you know the the beauty of it is the first six games. You know, uh, for for now, you know they they may as well be marked as practice. You know what I mean? It's it's about coming in with the with the mindset of you know understanding that it's going to be tough and wanting to play the game. You know, we we know that it's it's a lot of good teams, uh, but but you know, the the records of the Kessinger division are are definitely better. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, you you look at. Um, the other side and it's teams over there that are, that are catching fire now, you know what I mean? And it's teams over there that, 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 you know, a lot of people are not going to want to play late, 
you know. So right, it's, it's just one of those things where you, you just have to uh, bring it every Saturday, huh? You got to bring it every Saturday, man, and and don't don't worry about the record, you know. Don't worry about you know who's tough. Focus on the things that that we can control, the things that you know you can control, and 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 want to, and and have your guys ready to play and, and wanting to play. Absolutely. I tell you what I'm going to do here. I'm going to take a brief break right here. And when I come back, I want to talk about your playing days and what led you into coaching. So on the other side of this break, that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to take a brief break. We're going to get you right back on. All right. Yes, sir. Sounds great. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man. The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man. Bring your vehicle to the glass man just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit. 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. This episode of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast is sponsored by The Glassman, located at 4411 West Central, Wichita, Kansas, 67212. If your windshield is chipped, cracked, or just simply broken, take it to The Glassman. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast on a football Friday. My special guest on the A-Train, and I have to say this man is very trustworthy because I don't know how many trains he's ridden on, but this is his first time riding on this train, and he is very trustworthy to trust his life in my hands behind the wheel of a local motor. <laughs> None other than Coach Stokes at Bethel College. Coach, welcome back for this next segment. Yes, and sir. One of the things I was kind of curious about is your playing days. What got you involved in football, and then what led you into coaching? Well, it was actually uh, what got me involved in football was a guy by the name of uh, Rick Alboy. He was actually uh, my wrestling coach. I started wrestling before I, I played football. And... Uh, you know, I was uh, I was bad at wrestling when I first started, and then I, I started to get better, you know, at it. And uh, he was just telling telling me I had a lot of friends who who wrestled and played football, and he, he was just telling me like, hey, you know, football is is something that uh, you know a lot of people do wrestling to get better at football, and you know, it, the the double A's was translate to tackles and all this good stuff, and he just really recruited me so. I went home. I was in seventh grade. I told my mom I wanted to sign up for football, and she said, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, my coach, uh, he actually had to come over and convince her that you know that uh, I would be safe and and that uh, you know it, it would be good for me. You know, keep me out of trouble, things like that. So uh, it was my coach Rick Alboy who actually got me into playing football. So and uh, man, I started playing and. I kept playing all the way, all the way through high school, and you know, I, I really though was gonna go wrestle in in college. I was gonna wrestle in college instead of 
play football. And uh, I just, I don't know what happened, but I, I was tired of uh, tired of cutting weight. <laughs> I, was tired of, I was tired of that. And uh, I actually got some interest uh, to play. Uh, I actually went to Central Michigan uh, right out of high school. Okay. Uh, I had uh, some academic, like full academic scholarships. I was a, I was a 4.0 student, 25 ACT. You know, coming from an inner city Chicago school, man, that that has full ride written all over. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why when I do talk to you know high school students, I tell them, man, the, the most important thing you can do is is keep your grades up. You know, that's the most important thing you can do. So I went there, uh, end up coming back home. Life hit me. I was back home before the semester was over, and that's when I met Andy Lambert, uh, who was at Trinity International University. And uh, he's the one who really uh, made me want to be a coach because, you know, in in that moment, the direction that my life was heading, uh, you know, it could be way different. You know, I'm not going to say not going to say worse because I feel like, you know, in that moment, you know, I wanted to be a good person and do the right things. I just didn't really have a plan for it. And he's the one who kind of, you know, he took it to another level and, and, uh, and showed me, you know, that, you know, how, how, what I could do with, with all these situations that I've been, you know, faced with, I could use that to help other people, you know, and, and be involved with, with something that, that I love, you know, uh, athletics, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So he, he was the guy who really, you know, I watched him, I watched him do it and do it gracefully. And, and I was like, you know what, I, I, I can do this because you know, uh, no offense to any other football coaches, but I, I'd seen the yellers and the cussers and all that stuff. And, you know, I didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? I, I didn't want to, although, you know, you, you sometimes you feel like this is what you need to, this is what you need to be successful. Uh, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be a coach because I didn't want to, you know, have to scream at people and yell at people all the time and cuss at people. And, you know what I mean? I didn't want to have to do that. And so when I saw, when I, when I saw it done a different way, it was kind of, kind of like eye opening. Like, oh, I can do this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you could lead like this in, in this game of football and be successful. So, uh, that's kind of how I, I got into it. All right. And this week, it so happens that you guys are on a bye week. Week. Yes, sir. But I know you already geared up for looking forward to your next game got oh, that yeah. extra week of preparation. Some people kind of take that lightly, but during this time of year and you get that extra week of preparation, you got McPherson coming up. Yes, sir. What are some of the things you do during the off week as far as getting prepped up for the next week? I know there's probably a few days off, but then after that, right, you start right. game planning. And I know you're probably already watching the film, so yeah, walk yeah, me through that process. Yeah, we definitely start watching film. It gives us an opportunity to – uh, to tag as much film as we want um, because we, you know, we there, there's more time to do it. You don't have to worry about another game sneaking up on you. You got all the film that you're going to get. So all the film is tagged for them uh, during the week. Uh, you know, the game plan is, is put together. We're able to implement it, you know, on some Wednesday, Thursdays. Uh, but we do give our guys some rest. Uh, so we, we only went Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, of this week. Uh, and there's nothing different. We Our guys are off every Monday. Uh, anyways, to to re- to recover, you know what I mean. Uh, 
Uh, we do recovery like runs and lifts, and we have our meetings, everything on Sundays. And then, the, you know, we give them a full day of recovery on Mondays. Uh, but Tuesday, we, we go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, we, we prep, and it's all it's all preparation on those days. So we could do a whole lot more, uh, less individual, more, more team stuff, uh, get, getting the scheme down of, of what it is that we want to do. Um, for for the you know for the upcoming game, so the practices can be a little bit shorter, uh, but more intense and 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 more uh, team periods, more teamwork. Uh, so, and and then we have more time to to watch film during the off week as well. So, now I want to talk about another topic because I I don't think I haven't heard I don't think it has an effect on NAIA level football. When you look at the landscape of college football as a whole, and we're talking about NCAA transfer transfer portal, yeah, NIL, how much uh-huh. has that affected the game of football? Period. Oh man, it it, it does it. Everything that affects the upper levels, it, it it finds its way down. It finds its way down. So it's affected. It's affected us, uh, in 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 somewhat of a positive way, you know, but. Um, you know, you get guys even at our level who, if some sometimes if something don't go right, uh, you'll see guys transferring from schools and um, and in the NAIA, the transfer portal, it it kind of always has existed uh, outside of conference. Like you can transfer anywhere you want in the NAIA, and you don't even need to be released except within conference. Like if you transfer from a, a KCAC school to a KCAC school, you have to sit a calendar year. There's nothing you can do about it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but the transfer portal, you know, we, we, we pick up guys. We, we got a couple of guys on our roster right now that were in the transfer portal for some division two schools. And I'm sure, uh, that's the case, uh, along all the NAI schools. Matter of fact, the player of the year in his conference last year, uh, Eli Williams from Avila, uh, he was a TCU transfer. Okay. So, so you, you know, you see it coming down and then as far as NILs, uh, you know, the NAI is trying to, um, create more of a scene for NAILs. They have different firms that they work with, uh, that they partner with to, to try to uh, get get the guys more exposure and, and, and opportunities because, uh, you know, the, the, the reality of it is if you're marketable, you're marketable, right? If you can help somebody sell uh, their product or, or grow their brand, you know, you, you have an opportunity to do that. Uh, within the college landscape, whether that's NAI or NCAA, you know, but obviously the the more exposed you are, the bigger your deals are going to be. But you got guys uh, all over the country, you know, making, you know, anywhere from, you know, a couple of hundred dollars a month to, you know, when you go to the big time, obviously those guys are making millions. Absolutely. So, but, but but it's affected. I mean, it, it I don't think it affects us in recruiting. I don't think there are schools out there uh, that that have yet cracked the NIL code and can tell a kid like, hey, you know, we've got these NILs for our players to try to, you know, spruce the pot up to to make them come to their universities. But um, I wouldn't be surprised, man, that if in the next five to ten years somebody somebody figures something out like that where they, they have partners with, you know, local businesses or whatever the case may be to say, hey, we, we're going to do some NILs for our guys here and, you know, uh, and if, if they can if they can do that, man, I say more power to them, you know. Absolutely. So those are just some of the things we're going to be looking forward to. So, yes, you have confirmed that, yes, it trickles down from 
big times even down to NAIA. So your next game is against McPherson College, which I know you're looking forward to playing that game because I guess I guess common logic is based on the last game, which you lost that game to Tabor College, thirty one to twenty one. You hate to go into a bye week with the loss. So oh, yeah. Yeah. How focused are your players on ready to get that bad taste out of their mouth, and what can you expect coming from McPherson College? Oh man, uh, play, players and coaches alike, you know. Uh, and, and but we're no different. McPherson's in the same boat, you know. They they dropped their last game, uh, the Kansas Western. So I think it, you know both of us are are trying to get get there and, and right the ship. And plus, this is divisional play now, and uh, with the new NAI structure. Uh, if you win your division, you get an automatic playoff bid. So nobody wants to drop a division game and, and be fighting from behind right away. Uh, so I know, I know this is uh, going to be a tough game, and that you know, I know for sure, man, we're 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 not going to just give it up, you know. And I, right. I don't expect them to do that either. You know what I mean? So we're we're just ready to go as many periods as we got to go. You know, we want to play. We just want to play as many quarters as it takes, as long as it takes. Uh, we, you know, our guys just—they just, just want to play. They want to get out there and play, and, and not just play, but try to play to the best of their ability. Absolutely. And looking at these standings, when you're going talking about divisional play, everybody starts zero and zero. Zero, zero and zero, zero now. And one and zero oh would be a good start because record-wise, they are four and two. You guys are three and three. But yep. what's going to look more important is when you come out of this game, one and zero, oh, and they're zero oh and one. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, Coach Stokes, I really want to say I thank you. I was able to catch you pretty much almost at last minute. You were gracious enough to be on board with this. And this is our first time, but definitely, I hope not our last time. I also want to send a shout out to one Coy Noble, who was basically responsible for saying, you need to get in contact with their brother because uh, next time we talk, I heard you have some endeavors outside of football that you're making an impact on people's lives as well. The next time we get you on, I want to talk about that as well, all right? Yes, sir. Sounds good. Yeah, definitely got to shout out uh, Coach Noble. He's, he's the man. All right. Well, once again, thanks for being on the train, and good luck in your game coming up next week. And I got to ask this. Friends is on your schedule, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, is that sir. game going to be there or is it going to be here in Wichita? It's going to be here at our, it's going to be our, at home for us. I just may make that trip just to come see that game. So, yeah, be, you know, that those are, you know, that no pun intended, but those guys over at Friends are, you know, they're friends of mine. <laughs> I know, I know that we all, we all coached together uh, at Beth, at Bethel at one point. And, uh, man, a good, a good group of guys, man. I, I know they, they over there. Uh, they, I mean, they've already gotten it, gotten the ship right over there. So it's definitely going to be fun. Absolutely. Once again, A.B. Stokes, Coach Stokes. I have to put that coach on there. That's that respect. I'm going to tell you this story, and I'm going to let you go. I was in junior high. I'm telling my age now, okay? I'm 56 years old. I called the junior high when I went to school, okay? Yeah. We had a guy to this day. I still call him Coach Nash when I see him. I know he's a deacon at a church, too. Last time I saw him, Coach, how you doing? He taught me a lesson. So I'm going around calling him by his first name. And to this day, I still will not address him by his first name. Even if I say Mr. or Deacon or Coach, I'm not going to put his first name in there because that's what got me in trouble. Yeah. I'm going around calling him, hey, 
by his first name, and he's just so yeah. nonchalant, just cool, cool as a cat, just head nod, okay. And then one day in the locker room, the cheerleaders are walking through there, you know, boys are going to do what boys do, we're going to holler, hoop, you know, you know, that testosterone kicking in because we see the cheerleaders. Yeah. He comes up out of his office, he shuts it down. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all cut that out. Then he addressed me, not by my first name, but last name. He said, Smith, you're going to get in trouble about calling me by my first name. <laughs> he said, next gym class, we're having cake and ice cream. I'm like, oh. hmm, ice cream, pretty good. Well, next gym class came around, regular activities, no cake and ice cream. And back in those days, we was going to gym class every other day. Yeah. Next gym class come around, no cake and ice cream. Okay, cake and ice cream. I'm trying to find out what cake and ice cream really is, what we, what we have. Well, the next week came, and cake and ice cream, some people would call it boot camp. We was calling it calisthenics. We did push-ups, set-ups, ran laps, ran sprints, more set-ups, more push-ups. I mean, put it this way, by the time that class was over, I could barely move. Woke up the next morning, I felt stiff as a cardboard. I felt like a person in their 60s. Oh, but good. from that point on, every time I see them, hey, coach, how you doing? So <laughs> it's just that respect factor that coach is in order. So with that yes. being said, coach, thank you once again for being on the show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Coach A.B. Stokes on the A.T.N. Sports Talk Podcast. I will be back with some more. So don't you dare go nowhere. It is a-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host, your conductor, Anthony. Listening to the best of interviews on the A Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Welcome into the A Train Sports Talk podcast. That's right, this is your host, your conductor. And I told you in my first segment that. I had a guest on board today. Matter of fact, I have a couple of guests, but this guest here, I mean, he was hired back in, I believe, 2014 to take on a campus basketball program. Now, I'm going to be honest. The last time I remember campus, there was a guy named Ron Myers who played at Kansas State University. That was the last I remember of campus. But this young man was hired by campus. Took him to great heights. And I was sad at the time because I was working as a board operator at a local radio station when they made the announcement that this would be the final game. And I'm thinking, all that hard work, nothing to show for. But they rebounded, won back-to-back state championships with the guy at the helm by the name of one Chris Davis. Coach, welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Glad to have you on board. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to do this, and I, I look forward to the next, however long it takes to do, but I'm sure we can tell a lot of good stories and fabricate a few, and we'll be good. <laughs> Man, I, I looked at your track record, and you've made multiple stops. So when I say you made multiple stops, that means you have put your mark, you have put your stamp Wherever you've been, I've seen that not only were you at campus, you was at Wichita South, you was at Garnet Anderson County, you was also at Capon. What was one of the differences that you noticed at each of the stops that you were at? Well, I, you know, I started, I started as uh, a permanent sub at Wichita West, the year Weston Sharks, the first year Weston football job. And so I worked on his football staff and for one year. And then I had a choice. I got hired full-time by the district. And I had a choice to stay at West. And Wichita Northwest also had an opening. And I could coach basketball at Northwest. And that's really what I wanted to do. So I went to Wichita Northwest for four years and was an assistant there. And then uh, started this crazy journey that led me to Garnett, Kansas. And the main reason I took the job in Garnett, Kansas, was it was 45 minutes from my front door to Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> and I was working, you know, I was working basketball camp at the time for Roy Williams. And you could always go to games and things. And they had just built a brand new school in Garnett. And uh, so uh, I thought it might be a, a good challenge. 4A basketball is probably a great start for me. At the time, I really thought I knew knew something, and I found out I didn't know very much, and uh, that's where the job just kind of started, and had a, had a, had a nice little run there. I came back home to Wichita. Uh, I worked for Dell Faber at Bishop Carroll. I taught Dale at Hadley. Faber. I taught at Hadley Middle School, and that's really where I learned what it takes to be a successful head coach was the three years under coach Faber. And, uh, those were some of the best, those are the best memories as far as coaching. I've got a, a lot of memories, but those three years with Dell Faber meant the world to me. And he really, really helped me get, um, you know, through the next 30 years. And, uh, I was fortunate enough. I mean, I'm sure that Coach Faber single-handedly got me the Capon job, but the only thing by Capon, I didn't teach there. And we had an unbelievable year, and I was a special education teacher. And there was a nun that was the head of the school, and she says, as long as I'm here, we'll never have special education services at Capon. And I said, well, I'm going to look for a job. I said, I want to stay here. You know, it was my alma mater. Mm -hmm. Uh, We won a state championship in 1980 at Capon. And I would have been there 30 years. And then she told me that. And then that's when I went to South for eight years. So uh, went to Wichita South for for eight years. Had some unbelievable players there. And then went to Liberal. And then came back to Wichita. And uh, I was really looking for something, and I was out of teaching for one year. And uh, I got hired at Mays as a long-term sub. And uh, I'll never forget Mark Hott, their athletic director, said, hey, if you're going to be here, you're going to help us coach. 
And I said, I would love to. And I didn't even know Mike Dara, who Mike Dara was. And Mike was the head coach at Mays at the time. So I helped Mike for uh, a year or two. And then the, he, he resigned on the last day of school. And he says, hey, I resigned today. And he says, oh, I, I hope you get this job. And, uh, you know, I never had any intentions of being the head coach there at all. I thought I would just be an assistant for, you know, five or six years and ride it out and be happy. I loved it there. And uh, I took the job at Mays, but I was only a, a part-time teacher. And uh, we all know that teaching pays the bills. Right. And Mike left, and I was fortunate enough to get the head job and then the campus job open. And I'm, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I called Myron Regeer, who was the principal at campus at the time. I said, hey, can I talk to you about your basketball job? He says, yeah, who are you recommending? And I, <laughs> he thought I was calling to recommend somebody. I said, myself. And he goes, get your stuff into me right away. And I did, and the rest was history. So, so let me ask you this question here. I got to ask this question because you bring up Dale Faber. And I always seen Dale Faber, rest in peace, as an animated guy on the sideline. And I would liken him to, say, uh, Rick Majerus. Would that be accurate? The, you, you hit it on the head. You hit it on the head. Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, his, his mannerisms, uh, I believe he wore the vest as well. I've never seen him in a suit and tie. And, I mean, everything about him just, like, if this isn't Rick Majerus 2.0 on the high school level. So at these multiple stops that you were at, what was the difference in the culture of the community where you was at? Because I knew each stop possessed a different challenge in different cultures. What did you notice? Um, just like in a one, like like for example, Garnett. I mean, that whole town's behind you. I mean, you're the only show in town. Uh, as like compared to you know, you play a game at campus and you got games. You know, you probably got 40, 45 games in the radius of 25 miles that people have to make a choice to go to. Um, you know, um, just the, the the liberals, same way. I mean, they're going to support you and, and come to games and, and uh, uh, you know, support their teams. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, when you're coaching at Wichita South, there's eight other games that night as well. You know, and, and the support just the support comes from, you know, parents and uh, kids in the school and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's pretty special uh, to be in a in a one high school town that that's not surrounded by, you know, a lot of other schools. You got to travel and those kind of things because the community supports phenomenal. But I got a great Rick Majera story for you. You won't believe this. OK, so you talked about. I, I loved Rick Majerus just watching from afar. And so I called one day and I was going to, I wanted to go work his basketball camp. And, but, but I called up there to get a sweater. You know, I used to wear those Reebok Utah sweaters mm -hmm. and we we're getting ready to have our banquet at Bishop Carroll. So I called and, uh, I said, Hey, I said, you know, this is Chris Davis, I coach basketball. I'm an assistant coach in Wichita, Kansas. Is coach Majerus around. And the, the, the lady goes, no, she's not here right now. He's not here right now. And he goes, I'll take your number and have him call you back. And I said, great. I'd, I'd very much appreciate it. So 
about two weeks later, it's like 12, 1230 at night and my phone rings and, uh, you know, my wife at the time answered the phone and he goes, Rick Majerus, head coach, University of Utah's Chris in. And, and, you know, <laughs> Linda thought that somebody was playing a prank on me. Somebody had a few too many frescas or something. And <laughs> she goes, hold on. So it's like 1230 at night. I answer the phone. I go, hello. He says, Chris. I said, yeah. He goes, Rick Majerus. He goes, I got to apologize to you. He goes, I got a good secretary and I got a really bad secretary. And he goes, you talk to the bad secretary, and I apologize. <laughs> and he goes, what can I do for you? And, you know, I said, Coach, I said, thank you so much for calling me back. I said, if this is a pain. Don't worry about it. And I said, I'm trying. I said, our head coach is Dale Favor. I would love to get him one of your sweaters. And I go, I'll pay for it. I'll do whatever I need to do. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, he goes hell, I'm just flattered. Somebody wants one. <laughs> and uh he goes, you want a new one or one that I've worn? And I said, uh, I'm, he would appreciate one that you've worn much more, I'm sure. He goes, on next day, air it out, and you'll have it in two days. And then he goes, would you come work camp? And I said, Coach, I would love to. So two days later come, and uh, there's a box on my doorstep on the east side of town. I open it up, and there's that uh, sweater uh, from Rick Majerus. Wow. And uh, so I got it with Coach Baker. He, he loved it. And the next five or six years, I went and worked camp at Utah. And it was uh, it was an unbelievable experience. And I really fell in love with Salt Lake City. Uh, I'd, ne- I'd never been there. And just, uh, just there's so much to do. And it's such a beautiful state, you know, in the mountains and things. So it was a, it was a great experience to do that. But that that is my claim to fame with Rick Majerus. And I love it. And he, he used to say, you need to get me some players up here. And uh, he goes, I, I need some players. He goes, I need to get players from the Midwest. And uh, But, yeah, a lot of great stories uh, going to Utah and working camp. I met Frank Layden, the old coach of the Jazz. Frank Layden, Utah Jazz, right. Yep. We went to uh, Salt Lake City Buzz baseball game. They were a AAA affiliate, I believe, of the California Angels. But we worked day camp, and then Majerus would get us all tickets and go do things at night. And uh, about five coaches went to the game, and Frank Layden was there. And I got him to sign a baseball. He signed a baseball for all the coaches that were there. And I'll never forget, he looked me straight in the eye. He says, Chris, I'm going to tell you one thing. He goes, just one half of them, they can never fire you. (laughs) (laughs) That is a a good philosophy. Unfortunately, that didn't work for someone at WSU, but that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, that's a good philosophy. Win half of them, and they will never fire you. I think what I'm going to do right here, I'm going to take a pause, and we're going to come back on the other side. I have some more questions to ask you, but I hope not to detain you too long. But it's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, my passenger today, none other than Mr. Coaching Legend himself, although he's going to downplay it, Chris Davis. We'll come back on the other side of this break with more of Coach Davis. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P Seed and Babe, is fully stocked for all your pet needs. We carry Victor, Bully Max, Diamond Value Pack, and many more brands. 
In addition, we carry collars, chains, and any pet supplies you may need including grooming supplies and dog shots. Make sure to like us on social media. You're listening to the best of interviews of 2023 with your host and conductor Anthony Smith. From my family to yours, I simply want to say, Happy New Year. back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'm having a blast riding this train down the track. And I have to question the sanity of my guest because I don't know how many trains he's ridden on in his lifetime, but for him to trust me with his life in my hand, I'm a locomotive. Something has to be wrong with this guy. <laughs> Coach. There's been a lot of people who say that. Coach, once again, glad to have you on the other side of this break here. And you was telling some Rick Majerus stories and Majerus stories and talk about running some camps out there. What are some of the things that you learned in those camps that you were able to pass on at your various stops coaching high school basketball? Just how fundamental he was. I mean, the fundamentals that he – he would teach those kids. He, he would just come and lecture and leave. And then you, you'd come back 30 minutes later and he says, I'm ready to go. And he'd lecture for like an hour and a half. And he'd have these poor kids in a stance the whole time. And I mean, you know, just like he was coaching his team. But just how fundamentally sound he was. And, you know, he, he, he loved he loved Hornacek, Stockton, and Malone. And he always compared, you know, those three jazz players, you know, the pick and roll and – and, and all how how sound those players were fundamentally and you know that's what he taught and that's what he believed in he believed there was a right way to play the game you know by moving the ball and, and screening and passing and not dribbling all the time and i'll never forget that uh devin bryant and kobe carl george carl's kid they were high school kids in the camp and you know that that's that's pretty good talent right there mm-hmm. and uh uh, I remember those kids being there. Devin Butler, of course, had a great career with uh, with uh, the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, I think Colby Carl is coaching as one of the bright upcoming stars coaching in the G League. Uh, but just uh, the fundamentals that he would drill uh, those kids in, and uh, you know, great coaches, what great other great high school coaches that you get to meet that you've never had a chance to meet from all over the country would go and work his camp and. Um, you know, I was right in the middle of the Mormon community and it was great. It was great. But I do remember since this is a podcast, I can say this, we worked all day in the gym. I'm tired. It's like nine o'clock at night. So I went up to the dorm and showered and it was like a hundred degrees in Salt Lake city. And it really mm-hmm. doesn't get, you know, it really doesn't get that hot. And so I was hot and showered and I went out to a bar and I said, give me two beers. And the lady looked at me and she goes, you can only order one. You're in Salt Lake City. <laughs> so you, can, you can only get one at a time. 
And I said, well, be ready to bring me another one because I said, I'm thirsty and I'm tired and it won't take long. But I'll never forget that because uh, just how the laws were different, you know, in, uh, in the state of Utah. But, uh, you know, great times. And then the next year, well, I went back to work camp. We got to stay in the U.S. Olympic facilities because they were building the dorms for the Winter Olympics because they were housing athletes at the University of Utah. And they were just absolutely beautiful. And then they were going to, of course, leave those for the for the students uh, when the Olympics were over. So um, the the living situation improved greatly the next year I went back. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, because you, you brought up the uh, the beer episode. Did the same hold true for caffeinated beverages like coffee, Coca-Cola? Oh, no. no <laughs> Mountain Dew? Yeah. Uh, they're going to come up and ask that you know the first thing they got to ask you is can i start you off with some lemonade and i said no (laughs) (laughs) the only reason i asked that question because you know at byu they have some strict policies you can't drink caffeinated beverages i'm like i wonder if that's a statewide thing so yeah it it, it, i'm sure it is i'm sure it is right so i want to move forward now because uh like i say i was working at the time before KGSO got sophisticated and kicked me to the curb. I'm, that's a little joke because I know some of these guys are going to hear this. But I was working the board for the guy that was called the play-by-play. And the announcement came down that this was going to be the final game. And I believe you guys were in the midst of a undefeated season or I know y'all was in the state tournament. Yeah, we were in the first round. First round. State yeah. tournament against Manhattan. What was the mood like? Because I believe y'all won the game. But outside of that, what was the mood like when you had to tell the players that this is the final game? Because I know it had to be a lot of mixed emotions, but it didn't feel like a celebration, even though I believe y'all won the game, to have to share that news. What was that like? Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, Half the guys stayed back at WSU and what, because they wanted to watch Blue Valley North play because that would have been our second-round opponent. And so some guys stayed back. Then I bought a group back on the bus. And uh, my phone rings. I'll never forget it till the day I die. My phone rings, and we're on uh, – I'm on the bus, and we're pulling into the bus ramp at campus. And I look down. And you know the, the 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 mood is is joyful, and we're 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 going to we're two games away from a state championship. And if you remember, I mean, we played well against Manhattan, and Keith had that three sixty dunk, and I mean, yeah. everything was just rolling. Sterling was playing great, steel, Sean, everybody was on point. And um, I look down, and it's Josh Godwin, our AD. And I, before I could even answer, I hear a scream in the back of the bus, Coach! And it was Ty Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I said, hold on just one second. I answered the phone from Josh, and he said, hey. He said, they're canceling this thing. It's over after these games tonight. So, you know, I, we just got off the bus, heard everybody in the locker room. We just sat and, you know, uh, shared some tears, shared some laughter. And we were all there to about midnight, one o'clock, and it was uh, it was horrible. Yeah, and they don't, you know, Friends University never taught me that in all my in my years of school and of going to school there. What do you tell your team after you're undefeated and you can't finish the season? 
and uh, uh, there's no textbook for that. So right. it, it's it's from the heart. It's from the heart, and uh, so you know we 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 felt sorry for ourselves for a little bit and hurt, and but uh, we all left on 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 uh, would have been Friday more early Friday morning midnight, and uh, we had school the next day. And uh, my principal called me in like at seven o'clock, David Morford, and said, "Hey, he says we're we're get some things done. He says we'll get some rings ordered for you guys, and he goes we're not going to let it go in vain." So, Absolutely, that uh, was nice. Uh, and our, our kids showed up to school. They were great. You know, they got up out of bed and didn't feel sorry for themselves, and they knew. I mean, everybody, everybody in the state that follows basketball knew that campus was the best team of 2020. Absolutely. And I so bad wanted to play Blue Valley Northwest in the finals. We would have had to get by Blue Valley North and then would have probably played Blue Valley Northwest in the finals. And that arena would have been packed. And I believe it would. I, I mean, that, that would have been a game for the ages. I believe yeah. that game would have been as classic, and I'm going to take you way back. I think that game would have been as classic as the Kansas-Illinois All-Star Classic when Ricky Ross hung 41 points. On Isaiah yep. Thomas. <laughs> yeah, they David Peeler had a pretty good day too. Kid out left hander out of Newton. He was, yeah, he could he could shoot it a little bit too. But it would have been a great atmosphere. And I I think when when I when people really took notice that our program was turning was when we played Wichita East on a Saturday night at campus and just hammered them. And I said I told the reporter I said I want to be like Blue Valley Northwest. That's how good you know that they were the measuring stick. Yeah. They were the you know they were the they were the big boys on the totem pole, and uh, so it never happened. But uh, uh, people know people, and, and I saw Reed Shouts one time. You talked about Ricky Ross. Reed Shouts played at Wichita South. He was Michael Sims' running mate. He was a two guard at Wichita South. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the bank one day. This year, this was like two or three years after the 2020 season. And Reed knows basketball. He's a great player at Wichita South. And he says, Coach, he says, that's one of the best teams I've ever seen. He goes, you had five guys, six guys really, that could just score at will. And they were unselfish, and they were they were about the team, and they were on a mission. And I've told people, and I told Taylor Eldridge, or not Taylor Eldridge, but uh, the barber writer, Haley Barber, I think his name was. I told him, I said, this team will go down as one of the top 10 teams in Kansas. Yeah. As time, as time goes on. And uh, because there were, you know, J- 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 Jerome Tang talks about having dudes. Yeah. That 2020 team had dudes. You had some dudes. You had, you had some horses. I mean, like you said, you had uh, Chapman's, you had Keith of Florence. And I, I still can't get over it. I mean, I'm at, like I said, I'm at the controls, but when they said, 360 dunk. It sounded like the announcer about jumped out of his own seat while calling it, and you could just hear the stadium erupt, Coke Arena erupt. I'm like, wow. Yes, like, it, yeah, it, this team. It, matter of fact, I turned to our coaches and I said, "Did he just do what I think he did?" <laughs> and they said, "Yep." <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it, but it all happened because Thomas King dove on the floor and 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 scooted the ball ahead with his hand. I mean, it was a loose ball. And Thomas just sold out, 
and Teether picked it up and went and did the 360. So it, it takes more than, you know, is a, is a great effort. And I'm glad it happened for Teether, but uh, there were more things that went into that play as, as him just getting a 360 dunk. Okay. I'm going to ask this question and then I'm going to let you go after this. But I'm always intrigued by coaching matches. And one coaching match I would have loved to have seen happen, which I wanted to see it last year, but I knew it wasn't going to happen, would have been Joe Auer against Luke Barnwell. But now, the way you was building that campus program, I want to throw in another coaching matchup. Coach Davis against Luke Barnwell team. That team you had against the latest Luke Barnwell team, whose team wins that game? You, you know, the 2020 team was loaded. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's something they wouldn't have backed down from. I can promise you that. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from Luke because I love him. And I, I really like Kyle Winstead really, really well. But I'm telling you, we at the end, we would have been standing. I promise you that. I promise you that. Because I, we had dogs and, um, you know, they weren't about prep school or they were just about going to school being students during the day, having fun, doing things high school kids do. And, um, you know, but I guarantee you we would have been standing with our head high. I promise you that. Absolutely. Well, Coach, and even though I know you retired, I'm going to always refer to you as Coach. I learned my lesson in junior high. Yep, right. That's how old I am. We called it junior high. And I'm going to let you go after this. We had a gym teacher and a basketball coach. You might know him. His name is John Nash. That's the first time I didn't say his first name since that incident. Right, right. But, but I was going around, as my folks would say, I was getting big for my britches. I started referring to him by his first name. And he was just so cool with it, just, you know, head nod. And then one day, the cheerleaders came through the gym, and we seen them. And you know, little boys are going to do what little boys do and make a lot of noise. Right. Coach was in his office. He heard it. He took as much as he could, came out, shut it down, and then he singled me out. He said, Smith, you're going to get it about calling me by my first name. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. So he said, next gym class, we having cake and ice cream. Cake and ice cream. Next gym class come, no cake and ice cream, regular activities. Second gym class, because we was having gym every other day. Right, right. Cake and ice cream. Or that third day, which was the next week, they called it doing calisthenics for the whole time. We called it boot camp. Now, <laughs> we ran sprints. We did push-ups. We did set-ups. We went outdoors. We ran laps. And I'm telling you, I was sore before the day was over. And ever since then, I've seen him not too long ago. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Right. So, right. It's that respect factor that I give put on that name. But so in saying that, I want to say, Coach, once again, thank you for being on my podcast. And we will have to do this again because next time I have you on, I know you've seen the changes in basketball and what are some of the changes you would like to see come back to basketball. But we will table that for another show. But once again, I want to thank you for being on the train. And we'll have to do this once again. All right. Well, I hate to jump off of it, but I'll get aboard anytime. And I appreciate you so much for thinking of me. And uh, we we will absolutely do it again, okay? All right. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, Anthony. All right.
Let's end on a special guest, Coach Davis on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I am going to pause and take a break, and when I come back, I'm going to get geared up for my next break coming up later on. Coach Steve Martin. So, stay locked on the train. This is your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I will be back. Need a haircut? Do like I do. Go to 256 North Topeka Midtown Barbershop. Two seasoned barbers on staff. You have Malcolm and you have Tony. Specializing in bald haircuts, bald fades, mustache, and beard trims. You name it, they can do it. That's right. That's Malcolm. That's Tony at Midtown Barbershop. 256 North Topeka. You may walk in looking like five bucks, but by the time they get through you'll walk out looking like brand new money. That's Midtown Barbershop with Tony and Malcolm. Tell them the A-Train sent you. Welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast on a sultry, hot Friday evening. I mean, it's so hot. I walk into my house, the air conditioning's on, and I'm still sweating. <laughs> but I bet you not nearly as much sweat as one of the guys that put on a camp last week was doing last week. He's a legend, former All-American, NBA All-Star, should have been, I keep saying this, I keep hearing his home, should have been Rookie of the Year. Patrick, you and need to share that award with him after all these years and finally laid at the rest. The one who invented the ball look, the intimidator himself, not Michael Graham from Georgetown, but the one and only Xavier McDaniel from Wichita State University. What's up, what's up? <laughs> Dave, how's it going, man? I love him to death, but he truly believes that he deserves it. And I'm like, nah, dude, you didn't even play enough games. 50 games? You don't even play enough games. 50 games, that's all 50, you played. 50 man. games, and you played 82. What? no such thing as load management back in those days. Right. And I knew he got hurt, but that wasn't my fault. But, I mean, you take away my 32 worst games and my 32 worst rebounds, I believe my numbers are way higher than his. Matter of fact, I, I, when I look at the stats, because I believe Wayman Tisdale was, was a rookie that same year, too. It should have been Xavier, one, Wayman, number two. And number three could have been anybody, Patrick or whoever. I think it probably should have been Carl, maybe number two. Okay. I, would have, I like Wayman. Wayman was a good friend of mine. Met him when we were in high school at BC camp in Georgia. I was, I was 17. He was 16. So, great guy. I know he's passed, but great, great guy. Yeah. Yeah, matter of fact, the only time I had a chance to go to Oklahoma City Thunder game, and we're going to get on the business, uh, they was honoring hometown heroes, and it so happened that night, Wayman Tisdale was the hometown hero that they honored. So I had the chance to see him on the Oklahoma City floor getting his due recognition because, I mean, such a legend on the court and on the stage. I mean, 
he's the reason we got a Julian Vaughn playing base, six foot seven. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Okay. So anyway, you and Aubrey Sherrod and Cheese Johnson, in no particular order, you guys put on a camp this past week. You wrapped up yesterday, and I was reading an article and shared the article on my podcast the other day, and I'm like, I got to get the guys on, or at least one of them, and reading some of the comments, it was basically a way of giving back to the kids. Tell me a little bit about right. that. Well, if anybody know me, Aubrey and Cheese, they know we used to do the camp at East High School. Okay. And we partnered up with a guy named Jeff Jones. I mean, not Jeff Jones, uh, Jeff Hill. Mm-hmm. And Jeff came up with a concept, was like, hey, uh, let's get the community involved. That way, I didn't have to flip the bill myself. Mm-hmm. And so we started the camp eight years ago. They're successful, very successful. We 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 average about 290 kids at the camp. The last day we had 310, but the average was about 290 for the week. And so what we try to do is is, is have the kids have a great experience. We don't want no fighting. You know, but you're going to get some arguing. You're going to get some pushing occasionally. Mm-hmm. But we try to express that we want you to have fun. We want this to be the best experience that you had all, all summer. We want you to talk about it until next year. And we give them a book bag, school supplies in it. That's a dental uh, kit. They got food for the week, McDonald's. They got uh, Chicken Max, pizza. They also get a T-shirt, a basketball. Hey, man, they, they got a lot of stuff. And we just wanted the kids to be happy. And if you were a parent and you were there and you hear me talking, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. Or even our sponsor. We had a lot of sponsors show up. And, man, it's been fantastic for eight years, man. I'm waiting on next year now. I am, too, because I'm going to see if I can discover the fountain of youth and see if I can enter into that camp myself. Well, you find the fountain of youth. <laughs> I hope I, I want to be right with you, so I can give me two knees, <laughs> two more knees, and, and, and two new ankles. Absolutely, <laughs> right, right. You, you, you find it. Let me, let me get, let me go in that water with you, because I don't want you to use it all up. Right, <laughs> man, man. I, I know what my pastor be saying. He said you go to bend down to pick up that nickel or dime, and you just say forget it, because look like when you bend down, the ground start moving, so you just yeah. let, let it stay on down there. So you was talking about the book bags and everything, and one of the things that I read in an article that Aubrey Sherrod said, he said that uh, his mom told him if he gets, gets a chance to give back to uh, do it by any means. And one of the points of emphasis, it was also beyond basketball, but also education, and that y'all had some of the uh, community leaders in to uh, expound on it. So tell us a little bit uh, about the educational part. Well, the educational part, we want kids to understand that Basketball can be a big part of your life, but it's also a small part of your life as far as financial gain. And that a lot of people, and I, uh, I read something, the NBA, it's only been about 5,100 NBA players. Mm-hmm. But millions, millions of kids play every day and want to get to that highest level. And we want them to understand that we want you to get that scholarship, but we want you to get that education. We want you to uh, be the best basketball player you can be. But for whatever odd reason, the numbers weren't with you to play in the NBA, we want to be able to say, hey, look, we got a, a mayor in here. We got a deputy chief in here. 
We got a police chief in here. You know, we have a lawyer that comes speak. We want to be able to get him and show them facets of everything and show that, hey, working hard in basketball can pay off, but working hard with education can pay off. Because I have my degree, Arby has his degree, Cheese has his degree, and uh, Jeff uh, Hill has his degree from Drake University. So we want to also stress basketball to the fullest, but we also want to talk about life out the basketball. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that's really, because you, you read a lot of stories about what happened to them now, such as right. players who might have made it to the league, but they're just as broke as a person going to work for a nine-to-five job, depending on what that nine-to-five job is. Right. And, uh-huh. and to me personally, I know at one time they had some type of educational program set up for guys going into the league to teach them about, you know, managing their money. But do you think they're really doing that at a high level when you see all the sad stories, life after basketball? Well, I don't think we'll see them anymore because these guys are making gener- generational wealth now. You're talking about signing at the number one player this year. He signed up almost $20 million. That's $80 million a year. The NBA has some situations where agents now got to bring what they're doing for their clients. And so the client, and, and they get to look it over to see where they can maybe even do some more investing. But you're talking about 19 year olds who's coming into a lot of wealth. And so, yes, it should be very difficult. But I mean, the NBA is, because it looks bad when you see guys are not having money, life out the basketball. You know, four or five years out the basketball, the money is gone. So, yeah, the NBA, I'm, I'm telling you, they have programs to help the guys and help the players learn what's going on. The, the NBA agents got to uh, be certified. They got to show what they're doing. So they, they're trying to do a lot of things to make sure that these players, uh, and also they know when they're not going to stop playing, you don't, you can't have to say spending happening unless you have some hell of investments. Right. And, and that's, that's the one thing, you know, when we were younger, we didn't get to sit in those investment classes. Right. And and now right. you take a look at, say, people like Ice-T. They talking about Robin Hood. Then there's stash accounts. Now it's like you have investment tips in your back pocket in your hand right there. So well, it's little small well, things like that we could tap into as well, too, and educate people on. Well, I think what, what is happening is that we have all these Everybody got I Uh-oh. can't say what the percentage of people in the United States got cell phones. But I'm assuming Uh-oh. Or 10 or higher, you got a cell phone for sure. Uh-huh. So they got internet. People are now, like you said, with Acorn, letting their change, invest over. It's a lot of things. They got all this, uh, all these different types of apps uh, that you can go to that's teaching people. Uh, if you want to learn, you got to want to learn. Got to want to learn, so right. It's so many things and so many tools out there been opposed in the 80s where, you know, you rely on your agent um, because now if you got investments, now you can go look at your investment on the internet too. Mm-hmm. They can't just do some things and say, hey, this is put it on a piece of paper. You can see it on the internet. You can see what they're doing now. So, um, but the thing is you got to want to learn to know what's going on with your money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when you talk about 
the education part of the camp as well, too. I know you also have to talk about maintaining good character because now we are looking yeah. before our eyes. We're looking at, well, let's just bring the elephant to the room, John Morant. Right. How do you educate the young guys that come to your camp? This is not what you want to be. How do you address that? Well, well, we we had we fortunate we wasn't able to none of the kids access about that. But what I would do, John Morant is a home, not a hometown, but he's from from my home state. He's from Sumter, Sumter County. I'm from Richmond County. Mm-hmm. We had neighboring uh, counties like Butler County and Cedric County. Okay. And so, um, the thing that I would say to him is that. Everybody's watching. You want to. Everybody want to show everybody who we are, and you mm-hmm. got to be careful on what you're doing because this is what the young people do today. They want you to know, and you want to know that you're tough. You want to know everything about you. You're showing it. Not people want to know, but you're showing everybody who you are. And I, I know for a fact that this kid didn't grow up that way. Right. And, and, and I don't know him at all, but I would look his dad in the face and say, hey, I think you need to stop being his friend and be more of a dad. And I could be wrong with what I'm saying because I like Jamer. I think he's a hell of an athlete. But you can't be displaying guns. Not after you apologize one time, then you do it again. We make mistakes. And he's young. And you get this guy almost $200 million yeah, he think he's Tony Montana right now. He right. think he's Scarface. You know, he think he owns the world. And that's all that to it. And I see his brother, you know, uh, Zion, who's from the same area. You know, they're both going through some things. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to say, hey, I got a lot of kids watching me. Right. And I've done some things that I ain't proud of. But you got to say, hey, uh, I got these kids watching me, man. And I got to stand up instead of being on TV uh, at the games uh, acting like nobody cares who T. Moran is. I'm just going to say it. Right. Nobody gives a hell who he is. So play your role as a father. Oh, you still there? That's what I would say. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I think we need more men like you, ambassadors. And like you said, you said there are some things you did that you weren't proud of, but you stopped and you had that thought process. The kids are watching, and that's that's what it's all about. You don't want to give the wrong image. Well, right. X, correct. Well, X-Man, so tell us, when can we see this camp again next year? Because I got a grandson. I want to get him involved. When will this camp take well, place next our year? our camp will be the last week in June. Last week in June. I'm going to give you the dates right now. Give me a second. Okay. Uh, The last week in June will be the 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th. All right. And that location will be? June 24th through June 27th. Yes. And do do you have a location already? Same spot, Wichita Hoops. Wichita Hoops. Yep. We've been there... We've been there for uh, eight years. Ninth year will be next year. Will be our ninth year. Great partnership, and uh, 
we hope to continue that going on. All right, then. Next year, I hope prayerfully to have my grandson there so he can get to meet a legend, some legends. Okay. You, Aubrey, probably, I'm pretty sure Cheese, Lord, let's stay around here long enough. Yes. Uh, God willing. Look forward to seeing you three next year. And uh, I want to thank you once again for being on the train ride. Thanks for trusting your life with me behind the wheels of a locomotive. Ladies and, gen <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Xavier McDaniel, Wichita State legend. Thanks hey, again. I just, want to say, I just want to say thank you to all our sponsors for being there for us for this last uh, eight years and hope we have a great partnership next year. But also, I want to thank all the kids who came out, man. It all right. Beautiful, the way they did the, the drills that we did in front of their families, in front of our sponsors. Really, really great, man. Hey, I love Wichita, man. And I tell you what, before I let you off here, go ahead, give me the name of the sponsors. Let's give them some shout out on here too. Oh Lord, I don't want to forget nobody. Oh, okay, so I don't really okay. Want to say but then we'll just leave it at thank I, you for I, all the sponsors. If I driving, if I wasn't driving, <laughs> we could have put it in. But because I'm, I don't want to leave nobody out. All right. I tell you what but you can we do. Had a lot of sponsors. When you get a chance to get home and get a list of those sponsors, just text it to me and on the rest of my podcast. I will mention uh -huh. their names. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Have All a right. great day. You too. Once again, Wichita State legend, by way of South Carolina, Xavier McDaniels. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. So I tell you what I'm going to do right here after that. I am going to take a break. When I come back, I got a whole lot of more news that's probably going to be just as hot as the Wichita weather is today. So you stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Be right back. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P Seed and Bait, is fully stocked for all your pet needs. We carry Victor, Bull and Max, Diamond Value Pack, and many more brands. In addition, we carry collars, chains, and any pet supplies you may need, including grooming supplies and dog shots. Make sure to like us on social media. selected in the first round and this young man also has the distinction of the only guest who not only has appeared in the A-Train podcast as a passenger but also rode in my car. I'm talking about none other 
than the man himself, Mr. WSU himself, Mr. Brent Kimnitz. Brent, welcome aboard. Yes, sir. I'm so glad to have you on here. And I had to find the WSU theme music because I think it was very appropriate to have that music for a man as yourself. How are you doing today? <laughs> That's great. You know, I'm a big music guy, so I trust you. And I know that uh, whatever whatever music you come up with, I'm on board. Absolutely. As I was saying, I had you in my car because I was doing Uber. And I figured, I'm like, wait a minute. Is this Brent Kimmis riding in my car with me? And by far, you have been one of my best riders, one of my most entertaining riders. And that, if that ever happens again, I'm going to make sure I have the music up to where you can listen to it and enjoy it. But I, I'm looking at this. It's hard to believe it's 38 years as a pitching coach. So that right there in itself would suggest continuity within the staff. And then nine of your coach chakra pitchers were selected in the first round amateur baseball draft, including Chris Johnston by the Boston Red Sox in 2006, Mike Pelfrey by the New York Mets in 2005, Ben Christensen by the Chicago Cubs in 1999, and I mean, and the list goes on. So what was it about you that one that made you concentrate on being a pitching coach? Well, first of all, I, I enjoyed riding with you, too. You gave me some good music, some good conversation. <laughs> during that during that ride, we, we discussed, hey, i got to have you on my pod. And I was like, dude, I'm all in. So, first of all, thank you for, you know, letting me be a guest. Um, as far as pitching coach, yeah, I did it for 38 years. Uh, I'm like so many young guys when I was playing. My dream was to play professionally and hopefully in the big leagues. And I went to a great small college in Enid, Oklahoma, Phillips University, great baseball program. I had some success. But, you know, my junior year, I was undefeated and had a good ERA and didn't get drafted. So reality kicked in that, hey, maybe this pro thing's not going to happen. So honestly, it was a blessing. Uh, I spent my senior year looking for places to go to grad school because I didn't, I wasn't ready to get out of the real world, so to speak. So it just so happened the timing was perfect because Wichita State had hired Gene Stevenson, mm-hmm. uh, a longtime Oklahoma assistant, and they were going to the College World Series every year. So everybody knew who Gene was. Mm-hmm. And when Wichita State hired him, it caught everybody's attention like, hey, they must be serious. So anyway, to speed up the story, I wrote several schools, one of them being Gene. Uh, he gave me an opportunity to come up and visit with him that winter. It was December of 77, and it was a great conversation. I'm 21 years old, but he took the time to meet with me. And then we actually played him in the, his first spring, which is the only spring I won here as a, as a coach. I uh, had a good conversation. He offered me a graduate assistant position, and then in August of 78, I'm 21 years old, living in the dorm. I had players on the staff older than me. But Gene did make me the pitching coach, and I tell everybody he empowered me. And that started a long run. Now, if anybody thought, all right, dude, you're going to be here 38 years, you know, nobody would have bet on that. But the situation just kept getting better. Gene empowered me, gave me opportunities. 
and you know the rest. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I'm looking at some more credentials here. You coach 17 big leaguers, 21 All-Americans, 20 freshman All-Americans in 38 years of a coaching career at Wichita State. Had the thought of ever coach going anywhere else, had it ever crossed your mind or you just got settled in and it was a journey that if you even tried to rewrite this, you couldn't rewrite it? You know, it's funny is when you're going through it, you don't even think about it. You're always worried about the next year. It's like, hey, we got to go find two pitchers, a catcher, a shortstop. And, you know, it, it's like you're always on a sprint. So I'm a big enjoy the journey guy. And when I look back, it was a great run, enjoyed it, great relationships. But I don't think, you know, you enjoy it as much when you're going through it because there's always the pressure of feeding the monster, so to speak. Uh, but I certainly, you know, when I moved over to development at 16, and I'm starting my seventh year doing that at Wichita State, but when I look back, man, it was just, just kind of blows me away. The numbers you just threw out there, I'm like, wow, <laughs> they had some dudes. Um, so I enjoy that part of it. Uh, the second part of your question, um, the situation at Wichita State just kept getting better. I had some pro people reach out to me early on about, hey, if you want to get into pro ball, let me know. So that was always intriguing to me. Um, at, at my early on 80s, I'd say I was interested in being a head coach, but nothing was ever there that was enough of a pull to take me away from what I was doing. I'd say the closest I ever came to leaving was in 92-93. The Florida Marlins was a new uh, franchise, and I knew a lot of the guys in power positions, and they just hired my really good friend from Creighton University, Jim Hendry. Jim and they made a run at me. I was going to be involved in scouting and coaching, and that's the closest I ever came I remember we had just moved into our new facility. I think it was the uh, fall of 92, heading into the spring of 93. And I'm moving into my new office and, you know, putting things together. And I'm thinking, man, am I even going to be here? But it was about a two or three week process. It seemed like months, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. I liked, I liked the opportunity. It seemed like a great, you know, chance to get into pro ball at the ground level but I couldn't get comfortable leaving what I was doing at Wichita State so I stayed and I've never looked back and I've never regretted it I absolutely love and still love my run at Wichita State and a run that we can honestly say will never be matched I mean in today's culture I don't see the longevity of a coaching staff the likes of what we've seen at Wichita State now, you mentioned your good friend Jim Hendry at Creighton. And I remember those days in the Missouri Valley Conference. It was going to be a dogfight for the top spot, and usually it came down to Wichita State versus Creighton. But also during that era, there was another rivalry with a school in the state of Oklahoma that wore orange and black, that being the Pokes, Cow Pokes, Cowboys, whatever you want to call them, Oklahoma State. And there was always a big fiasco about who had the biggest crowds because, mind you, when y'all came to Wichita State, y'all didn't have a stadium. So this is basically the house that Gene built. So who would you have viewed as your biggest rival? Would it have been Creighton or would it have been Oklahoma State? Well, I would say Oklahoma State. 
In, in the Missouri Valley, the years you're talking about, Jim Hendrick built Creighton into a power, and he was such a good guy, man. We loved him. But on game day, boy, it was competitive. Um, but, yeah, he he took him to Omaha in 91. We play him in Rosenblatt. And that was a unique deal because we were used to being like the hometown favorite, like you know, 82, 88, 89, because, you know, we were from the Valley. And Rosenblatt was always pulling for us. Well, all of a sudden, Creighton gets in in 91, and we're playing them, and we got 20,000-plus rooting for Creighton. So it was the 91 game, we beat him 3-2, to two, I think, at 13 innings forever and still may be the highest-rated College World Series game ever. So it was a great rivalry. And, and in the Valley, that was definitely, especially in that time, the biggest. But if you talk about overall, it would have been Oklahoma State. You know, the 80s, they went to the College World Series seven years in a row. Uh, we ended that string in 88 going to Stillwater. We always had to go there. Went there in 83, 85, and 88. We, we popped them and, you know, went to the College World Series. And then one in 89 that sent us to Fresno. And then in the 90s, they were sending, sending them here more. Uh, we, we started hosting regionals in 90 and had several in the 90s. But when you talk about Oklahoma State, man, those packed houses down at Stillwater, I grew up in Perry, so it was 20 miles from there. Played American Legion baseball in Stillwater, so I knew tons of people. And, man, we went in there, and, I, and I'll give Gene credit. You know, we all fed off him. We rolled in there with some swag. We weren't intimidated. And I think Oklahoma State was used to people kind of going into Stillwater beat before they got there. Well, we fed off of it, and it was some great games. They had a great program, obviously still do. But but what most people didn't realize is Gary Ward, on, that, on game day, man, we were in tents and screaming and yelling and all that. But we loved and respected Gary Ward, and I'd see him out recruiting in the summer, and he was always so gracious and so so fun to talk to and just ultimate respect. And it's still that way. I, I haven't seen him in a few years. But just a good guy. And he was all for playing. He said, no, we got to play. That's good for college baseball. And then one other sidebar is Tom Holliday, the pitching coach. Everybody thought me and Tom hated each other, so we kind of fed We kind of fed it a little bit. <laughs> but I saw, I saw Tom. I went up to the uh, booth last spring when we were playing down at Stillwater. And I saw him over there, and I went in and said, hey, Tom, what's up? And he immediately gave me some props and said, dude, great to see you. And, you know, then later on the broadcast, I heard Tom was telling people on the air he was giving me love. And he said, yeah, I mean, Brent actually liked each other, but we weren't allowed to let anybody know it. <laughs> so it was, it, it was perfect, but we, we had a respect for Absolutely. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to break this down into two segments. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, I want to talk about your induction into two Hall of Fames for sure. One, the Kansas Baseball Hall of Fame in 2003 and the Perry High School Hall of Fame. And then we want to get into your, what got you into being associated as being assistant athletic director on the other side of this break. All right. Sounds so perfect. Thank got, you. All right. My special guest, Brent Hemnes. We'll be right back after this. 
chip, crack, or completely broken? Does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man. The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man. Bring your vehicle to the Glassman just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. This episode of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast is sponsored by the Glassman located at 4411 West Central, Wichita, Kansas, 67212. If your windshield is chipped, cracked, or just simply broken, take it to the Glassman. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Got a loaded show today as we got... Today we actually have player spotlight. We go to the Show Me State of Missouri. We also have the high school football blitz as we are also in the middle of state high school playoffs. Is win and proceed, lose and go home. And there were some teams that will not be going on. And we got so much more to go on the national scene as well as the regional scene. But today, I go to the great show me state of Missouri. I have a left-handed pitcher, stands six foot one. He's a junior, already committed to Wichita State University by the name of Ethan Rogers. So let's welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Mr. Ethan Rogers. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Man, I'm doing just fine. So elated to have you on. And in this new thing called X, you know, a lot of the times you reach out to someone, you follow them, you hit the notification button because you want to be notified. And then we go to send them a direct message that says subscribe. Okay, I'm not about to subscribe to this person, not about to subscribe to this person. But when I came across your page, and y'all, X is formerly known as Twitter, so I'm still trying to figure that equation out. Anyway, your page, I went to send a direct message, and it let me through. I'm like, good, this is the young man I want to talk to, because I see that he's committed to Wichita State. So the first thing I have to ask, and then we'll probably double back, what was it that attracted you to Wichita State University? Um, I think, I mean, obviously the facilities are, are beautiful and, and amazing. But, I mean, the coaching staff just and – and talking to all the players whenever I went on my visit, they just really uh, – I felt at home almost, and, and it made me feel very welcome. Absolutely. And that is one of the things that – a lot of people say when you come to Wichita State, how they make you feel, how they roll out the red carpet, and the fact that you're getting in with a brand new coach. As a matter of fact, I sent you a, a, a Twitter link. They were, they're they playing their fall ball, their inter-squad scrimmage, black yeah. against the gold team, because I got home last night. I'm like, what is all that noise? And I'm like, oh, they got the stadium. Like, That's right, fall ball. They're having their inter-squad series. So, you know, they, they really hyped that up one thing I will say, yeah, they will roll out the red carpet for you. I've had the chance to have Kevin Saul, the athletic director, on it. He's a really genuine man. So, 
you know, it starts at the top and trickles on down. So let's talk about your playing days. You're in the state of Missouri. You're a six foot one left-handed pitcher, correct? Yep. All yep. right. So how long have you been playing the sport of baseball, and what influenced you into playing baseball? Um, I mean, I've been playing baseball my my whole life that I can remember. Um, I I think some of the biggest things that that uh, influenced me to to play baseball was one growing up I kind of tried to play it all you know I wanted to play baseball football basketball all of it but um, I think one of the biggest things was my uncle he was a former division one pitcher as well and so I was like oh so this is pretty cool because I would kind of go to his games when I was younger and and get to see all that stuff and and I think that really um, helped draw love for the game for me absolutely so basically, you just grew up around the sport. Then the sport grew on to you. Then you ended up getting into the sport. So outside of pitcher, before you really decided on pitching is what you want to do, what other positions did you play? Um, well, so obviously being left-handed, I'm a little bit limited. But I was, I've was i always been a center fielder slash just outfield in general. But usually I've been in, in center field. Center field, okay. Who are some of your influences in baseball? Because I, I, I got to ask you this question right here because uh, I listened to a couple of guys. They're called the Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio. I don't know if you're familiar with those two guys. But this one particular night they had Rob Parker and a guy named Arnie Spinger. And they sound like a bunch of old guys get off my line type guys. And they were talking about the coverage of the, you know, Little League World Series. And they say there's a game on every night. We don't want to see this. Does that bold what does how does that resonate when you hear something like that because my thinking is in order for the game to really be advertised you have to do it on all levels whether it be little league world series uh college world series men's art women's softball would you agree that there was too much coverage or do you think there's not enough coverage um i mean i think as a whole in baseball like the pro level and the college level and things like that I don't think there is enough coverage. I think, I think at times there is a lot of coverage on it, but I feel like the vast majority of times it's very underplayed and um, doesn't get the love that it deserves. Almost absolutely, because see, I'm an old, I'm an older man. I'm 56 years old, and I remember watching Little League World Series on ABC Sports. That was before we had 2,000 yeah. cable companies or channels on TV, and so their biggest argument was. These kids are being exploited, and how does little Johnny feel when he is the one that costs the team the game and have to go to school and face his peers? But I don't think that's too much coverage because I believe that even if you had been in that situation to be able to say, look, I was on TV playing with such and such a team in the Little League World Series. Exactly. That, that is the – that's like the pinnacle as a child growing up. So oh, I wonder – yeah. I, oh, I was on TV. Right. And so I definitely want to get your take on this. So I don't think it's too much coverage. So we, we're looking at your playing career, and you're in the state of Missouri. Tell me a little bit about the school that you play for. Um, so I go to a smaller school. Um, it's called Lone Jack High School. Mm-hmm. And so we're pretty small. We're like class three in baseball. And so, I mean, obviously, since freshman year, I've started. And I got to play outfield, too, which if I went to a bigger school, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. I'd probably just be a pitcher. But since I am at a smaller school, I get to play all the other positions that I can play as well. 
and then also get a lot of innings pitching wise. So I think that that's always been a, been a really cool thing for me because I've gotten to do the other parts of baseball that I also love. So, All right, so who are some of your major league influences, some of the guys that you watch that you may or kind of pattern your game after, but yet you still have your own game? Who are some of the major league stars that you look up to? Um, I feel like, uh, like fielding-wise, I mean, like Mike Trout, He's one of the greatest ever. Aaron Judge, and he hits bombs and 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 is very very good and flashy. Bryce Harper, guys like that. But I think uh, on the pitching side, I kind of I like uh, like Trevor Bauer or like Max Scherzer kind of because I mean they're they're more like Trevor Bauer's a little bit more flashy when it comes to pitching and I mean um, and I think he made makes the game a lot more fun when he comes out and. And he strikes you out, and then he celebrates a little bit and, and gets all excited about it, you know? I like that side of baseball, too. Absolutely. And, and see, I'm in I'm into thinking of just like you. Baseball has to do a better job marketing, and at the same time, you know, they say boys will be boys, but yet when the boys try to be boys, they're like, oh, no, you, you, that that's messing with the tradition of the game. Yeah. But, but yeah. this is a new generation, and – some of these things, you know, like Ken Griffey Jr., I'm pretty sure you've seen clips on him. They used For to sure. talk about him wearing his hat backwards. I mean, he didn't do it during the game, but the fact that, oh, he had his hat on backwards, that's a disgrace to the game. Or the bat flip. Or you have to make the game exciting. I mean, if you look at the NFL, players uh-huh. get to celebrate. College football, the players get to celebrate. Yep. Baseball, it may as well be a game of golf. Because exactly. they just want you to be very stoic and very robotic type, and I think they need to change that a little bit. I agree. I think I think that's one of the biggest reasons why baseball has lost so much popularity is because there are these other sports where guys are coming out and they're doing everything they can to make it exciting after they score. And and in baseball, I mean, if you hit a five hundred foot bomb, I think you should be able to let let them know. You know, I mean your like obviously don't go don't go out of the lines but celebrate a little bit i mean you just did something really really good for your team why why am i being punished after i'm happy about about helping my team out exactly and and my theory is this if a pitcher doesn't want to see a batter celebrate strike him out exactly the same way with a batter if he doesn't want to see a pitcher celebrate after getting struck out Hit a home run or at least get on base. Plain exactly. and simple. It's just like in football. If you don't want the team to uh, celebrate, stop them from scoring. Plain yeah. and simple. That's one of my biggest things. It's like, I mean, it's not it's not their fault that they hit the home run. I mean, it's your fault for giving it up. Right. You know, there's not much. Like, you can't, you can't complain. You're the one who, who allowed it. Let me ask you this because I know you – I don't know how to what level you might have faced this in baseball, but you know there's like unwritten rules. So a pitcher gives up a home run. The next batter up, he suffers the consequences of what the batter did before him. Do you think that's right, or do you think it should be on the onus of the pitcher that next time he faces that batter to hit the home run, 
to strike him out instead of taking it out on the next batter. I think I think it's it should be it should be the next time you face that batter you you strike him out. You've got to show him that you're that you're still there and you're that guy and you're not. Like I mean I feel like when you're when you go out the guy hits a home run you hit the next guy up after him because of something that happened like why why is he getting punished one for what his teammate did and two his teammate didn't even do anything bad he's just happy you know i like being younger guys aren't i feel like baseball is straying away from that a lot and it's getting to a point where it is it's a more normal thing to celebrate but so i've never really seen anybody like somebody hit a home run and then bat flip and then the next guy get hit or anything like that but but you can tell that guys get mad about it still right so yeah i just wanted to address some of those things because you know i'm 56 like i said and i've seen a lot and you know i've seen the next batter up gets plunked and then next you know you have the bench clearing brawl which that's another thing i want to talk about because we see the benches empty and usually it's just a little dust up or a little come to Jesus meeting at the mound. But my theory is this right here. If a batter and a pitcher has something, has an out against each other, instead of the benches clearing and then it takes 15 to 30 minutes to get order restored, just let them two go at it like in hockey. Yeah. And then once one of the guys is down, the umpire comes out, all right, that's enough. Both you guys are ejected. We resume the game. I think that could be a good idea. I mean, don't even don't even uh, make them sit out the next game. Just make them just eject them that game, and they can come back the next game too. But, but I mean, I mean, I think it could add some excitement almost too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and how hockey does it? How they people go to hockey games because they want to see a fight, right? And I think it could. I think it could almost add some excitement too. Now tell me some. How do you like the new the new rule changes that have been incorporated into baseball? Because you know some of this stuff. And I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. Uh, if you're not, you will be familiar with it here soon. I'm pretty sure. Like around here, we have what's called NBC National Baseball Congress, and we got those tournaments. And a lot of this stuff that you're seeing in Major League Baseball now has been incorporated from that, such as the pitch clock. You know ways to speed the game up. Do you think the pitch clock? and some of these other rule changes is good for the game of baseball. I think it is. I mean, we baseball was having – MLB was having games that were going – they were just going too long. Like five-hour games is not – nobody wants to sit through a five-hour anything. You know what I mean? Right. I think this is this has really sped the game up, and it makes it more exciting because it's quicker paced, and you're seeing a lot more action, and you're not having to sit there for – hours and hours just to see a whole game you can go and and it can be a two-hour ordeal you know like it's not so long because i want to sit through through three and a half hours four hours five hours of anything it doesn't matter what it is you get bored right absolutely so let me ask you this question uh i want to get back to the team that you play for so what type of team do y'all have as far as you know the season what what has y'all's uh, some of the goals that y'all have accomplished as far as ma- making state tournaments and whatnot? What is it? Um, what has the experience been like? For my high school, we uh, we're supposed to be really good this year. So our goal is is um, 
is to to at least make it to to state to at least be in the top three that's our biggest goal and if we don't make that I think we're going to be it's almost going to be a little bit of a disappointment you know I, we're we're supposed to be really good we've got a lot of talent on the team we've got a few other really good arms on the team and um and a lot of guys who really really want it and a great coaching staff as well so our goal is as uh as a whole is is to win it all or to at least finish in the top three and since you mentioned that, you said great group of teammates and great coaching staff. Who is your coach? And tell us a little bit about your coach because I would hate to do this podcast without giving your coach some mention and thus getting you in trouble. <laughs> yep. So my uh, my head baseball coach, his name is um, his name is Dustin Darby or Coach Darby, but um, he's I've had um, so he's a teacher at my school as well, and he taught me he's taught me for a while but he's a uh, health and was a PE teacher when I was littler. But so I've kind of, I've known him for a while. And um, I mean, he's a really, really good guy it, on and off the field. He's, he's a very, very helpful. Um, and just like I said, he's, he's willing to do anything for his team and, and help him out a lot. So he's uh, yeah, I, I very much so enjoyed playing for him. And we've been good. He's had a lot of success at my school as well. Absolutely. So, Coach Darby, we're giving you some love today on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And that's also a little hint, Coach. We might get you on here as well, too. So, <laughs> who, are, who, are some of your, who are some of your teammates? And I'm going to bring this, train, this segment into a close. But some of your teammates that also are looking at going on to the next level as well, too. So I have a few guys on my team who are um, – there's a few guys in my grade and a couple in the grade below me who are looking. Um, we have a pitcher who I think has a really good chance as long as he keeps working hard, but he's about 6'4". Okay. Right now he's pretty, he's pretty raw right now. He hasn't been playing baseball for forever or pitching for super long, but he's picked it up well. His name's Clayton Layden, and he's good. Um, another kid who's left-handed – his name's Brett Nicholson. He's he's going to be really good when he develops a little bit more. And then um, our catcher, who has who catches me during uh, summer ball as well. His name's Landon Dan User, and he's been going to camps and and he's he's going to go play somewhere. And then a kid in the grade below me. His name's Luke Throgmorton. He's a shortstop. Pretty good. Pretty good little shortstop. Um, has a good bat. He kind of hits for contact right now, but he's. He's working on on getting a little bit bigger so he can maybe have a little more power. Absolutely. Well, I want to say I appreciate you for taking 15 to 20 minutes out of your day. And hopefully this will not be the last time because I'm going to follow you guys during the season and get some updates and hopefully get some of your teammates on as well and most definitely get Coach Darby on because just the way you spoke highly of him, he's definitely someone I definitely want to get on. But I want to thank you for taking the time out to – introduce yourself to my listening public and i want to wish you the best luck on the upcoming season and can't wait for you to get here to be a wichita state shocker so once again ladies and gentlemen on the a train sports talk my guest all the way from the show me state of missouri mr ethan rogers thank you very much sir. thank you all right this has been the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. First segment in the book. 
my guest, Mr. Ethan Rogers, all the way from Lone Jack, Missouri. And like I said, we are definitely going to get him back on. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to get into the high school football blitz, bring you the scores from the playoff game. Who knows? I may end up with another guest. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to promise that. But come back on the other side of this break. We'll give you the scores of the playoff that is in full swing here in the state of Kansas. Probably take a look around the KCAC as well, too, as we will look at the games from last week and bring you up to speed on the games that are going to be taking place this week, all right here on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man. The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man. Bring your vehicle to the glass man just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. This portion of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast is sponsored by the glass man. Chip, crack, or just plain broken. Bring your windshield down to the glass man at 4411 West Central. train sports talk podcast that's right it's your number one podcast throughout the state of kansas i always say i don't i don't have no data to back that up but i always say what makes number one is you the listeners and of course couldn't do this without my guest and we are coming up on football season quick fast and in a hurry and this next man i'm about to introduce to some and present to others Really needs no introduction. He has been coaching at Northwest for entering his 12th season with a 94-28 and 28 record overall and need just seven wins to become the all-time winningest coach at Northwest High School. My friend, my brother, Steve Martin. Hello, how are you? Coach, to be back on here, Anthony. Man, I'm excited to be on here with you. I'm excited to have you on here. I, I I've got a loaded show today. I've had another coaching legend on by the name of Chris Davis. You know that guy. He coaches Absolutely. basketball. Yep, I know, Coach. Fantastic coach. Man, and you talk about some stories. So when this podcast is dropped, you're gonna hear some stories on that. Man, I mean, he has some stories to share. And I know you have some to share too. But the football season is upon us, and from some of the stuff I've read, I'm, I'm still upset I didn't get my Vibe magazine, but I got KGSO magazine, so that's just as good. And uh, you got, what, I believe eight offensive and nine defensive starters returning yes, after sir. what was tabbed as a youth movement. Expound on that, Coach. 
Well, you know, in 6A football, especially in our successful programs, you know, if you go back and look at, you know, the Hutches of the world, the Derbies of the world, and, you know, the the Andels, you know, um, there's no there's no qualms that you win football games with experience. And so we just had an influx of a lot of young talent last year um, in this sophomore class that was – more talented than our upperclassmen and we couldn't justify not playing these guys. I mean, there was times last year we would start seven freshmen and three sophomores or four sophomores at times. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing for your future, but when you're playing with seven freshmen and three sophomores against blue bloods, such as Manhattans of the world and Bishop Carroll's who play, you know, older kids. So you're, 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 you're matching up, you're 14 and 15 year old kids with 17 and 18 year old kids. And everybody knows what testosterone and puberty does. And so I don't need to go into a science explanation, but sometimes just they're not as big and as strong as these guys, but they're still talented enough. So, you know, last year we played those young guys and, you know, we're really, we're still young this year and we're going to be young next year. But, the, the difference is, is now we have the experience and we have the strength and, and speed stuff covered. So um, we're very, very excited coming into this season. Absolutely. And, and one of the staples of Northwest has always been, it seemed like it's just like when one coach leaves, another coach comes in and takes the baton. A staple of Northwest has been the running game. And you had L.J. Phillips and Sincere Thompson both rush for over a thousand yards would it be a safe bet to say that northwest is running back high school i I would say i would like to challenge any other high school with the statistics that we've been able to put up in the run game with our production from our backs and o-line i i would have to say we are running back high i don't think anyone really comes close to that i think uh you know dating back um since the 2013 season we've had at least two running backs go over a thousand yards and since 2015 our quarterback and both running backs have went over a thousand yards so you know i think that's pretty safe to say that's a pretty good characterization of of northwest high school now my next question is because we know the game of football has drastically changed so i would say the northwest program is the running back position has been devalued but yet you look at Northwest, and I'll even say look at Georgia. You guys just turn out running backs. So how do you prepare for the next level when they, if they go to the next level, that their position may be devalued? What do you tell them? Are there some other skills, or do you decide to say, you know what, I'm going to open up my playbook, and we're going to incorporate a more of a passing attack, but at the same time we can still produce 1,000-yard rushers? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say at the NFL level they devalue running backs. What I would say is that there's a lot of great backs out there. And so, you know, you look at what happened with Brees this year at the Jets. The Jets went out and got Dalvin Cook um, as an insurance policy. And so when you look at that, and the running game in the NFL, you still have to run the ball to win football games. And so I wouldn't say it's undervalued. But they just know that, like us at Northwest High School, we're going to always have at least two to three backs that can tote the rock on Friday nights. And so when you do that, 
and then you filter them out by who goes on the division one fcs level fbs level it's the same story out of k-state uh a georgia a notre dame they're backfield they're going to keep five backs and all five of those backs could play for any division one in the country and so there's only 32 football teams uh, in the nfl and now they only have two three running backs on roster well you do the math and that's you know 96 96 guys well you know, there's so many high schools. I, I don't think it's undervalued. It's just that it's they only need one guy on the field at a time. And, uh, you know, most offenses now, you got three wide receivers at a time. So, you know, I wouldn't say they're undervalued um, for that aspect. And so, I mean, running backs still make the world go round. Absolutely. That's how I feel about it. Now, I noticed here uh, that uh, you have a running back. Uh, I'm getting this right. L.J. Phillips. It seems like that name has been very synonymous. It seems like he's been there for 10 years. You just hear that name. But he's headed to South Dakota. Uh, looking at your offensive line, though, you, you got some beef up there, and I'm not trying to take that name away from Kansas State because that's their name, image, and likeness. But you have a Nathan Davis, 6'265", a Dalton Schrader, 6'5", 285. I'm pretty sure he's getting some looks. And a Braxton Hopper, 5'11", 240. How, how else is your offensive line rounding up? Well, and then, you know, you got a up-and-coming sophomore that we feel is going to be highly recruited in uh, D'Angelo Williams, who's 6'4", 255 at right tackle. And then you got a, a, a left guard in Devin Gracie, who's 6'2", 230 pounds. So, you know, what we always look for at Northwest is our offensive line doesn't need – we don't need big guys like Dalton Schrader size. Now, it's great when we have them. Yes. But we like those guys in the Braxton Hopper, Devin Gracie, Nathan Davis realm because with our zone scheme, we like to run and overtake people and get up to the second and third levels. And if you watch the Northwest football game on tape, you would notice that our offensive line gives great effort. And there's a lot of times the reason why we spring long runs – is because a backside tackle or guard has cut off someone up in the secondary. So we take great value in running um, at every position on the offense for us. Absolutely. So your season starts off as it normally does. You got a gauntlet. You got Bishop Carroll. You have Heights, Capen. And I may as well throw in this up and coming, although you didn't have a problem beating him last year, but each year is different. You got East High, who gave Bishop Carroll a run for their money. So your schedule starts with the gauntlet. Then you have Topeka, you have South, and then at West, and then you have Manhattan. I noticed, though, North isn't on the schedule. How did that take place? That, that, that schedule is made by our uh, city league administrators, our athletic directors, and, you know, whether a team doesn't want to play somebody or whatever, um, that's just how it's made, you know, next year. Um, Northwest will be the only city league school that will only play five city league games. Um, I, there's some schools that don't want to play us and they've been verbal about playing us. So, you know, next year, like we drop heights off our schedule. And so we add junction city in place of them. And then we drop uh, South off the schedule and we add Goddard Eisenhower. So, you know, I, I don't know what goes into those, those, uh, decisions, but, um, you know, we're going to take the hardest. We want to play a hard schedule. Um, we don't talk about winning city league here at Northwest. We talk about uh, playoff positioning um, to have the most success in November. And that's really what we focus on is that aspect because the ultimate goal is for us to win 
a state title here at Northwest. We've done pretty much everything else you can do, but do that. You know, we've sent kids to the NFL. We've sent them to Division One. We've sent them at every level. We've had successful uh, CEOs come out of my program. We've had great dads and great workers and co-workers. But the one thing that we have not produced here at Northwest is a state title. And so um, that's where our focus is. Absolutely. So we want the toughest schedule we can possibly have. Absolutely. And so you just brought something to my attention that I didn't know was going on about teams not wanting to play against each other. And, I mean, if I could just be blunt, I mean, you put a whip, whipping on South 79-8, and it's just a matter of how many times you got to take those whippings before you say, you know what, I'm through with that. But what they don't realize is that's actually preparing you to actually strengthen your schedule. But right. now I have a question for you because I know you hate seeing scores like that even though you're on the right side of the score. What would you say to a program like, say, a South? Now, I know you're only concerned about Northwest, but like a South in the North, what would you say to those programs to help them get their programs turned around? Because I know you've rebuilt programs, and you've kept programs at a high level like you're doing right now. Like I said, the only thing missing is that championship. What would you tell schools like a South in the North? Well, I mean, the thing, and I think they're doing what they're doing. They're they're worried about what who are in their building, and you know, and they're getting out. I, you know, Coach uh, Mitch over at North is doing a great job of, you know, being an alum there at North is, is really rallying the kids to get more kids out. And you know, he's selling the point that hey, we'll if you want us to be good, you need to keep coming out for football so that we can, um, that so that we can have a successful football team. So, I mean, I think is, is you just got to stick to your, your, your guns and, and, and just keep on hammering through and, 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 and not go off of, um, you know, what's, you know, what's going to happen if, if you coach a kid this way, or if we run to this offense, it doesn't matter. It's just, you got to stick to your guns and you got to stand for something. You know, that, that's really the best advice that I have. Absolutely. So, the Bishop Carroll game is always the opening game of the season. And, of course, you say you got Heights next. Of course, you won't have them next year. But it appears that the oldest team in the city, and I wonder how that will bode well when it comes time to play them because you say you still have a young team. The oldest team you have is looking like it's going to be that Heights team that have a plethora of seniors. How much does experience play a factor in the game because at the end of the day, I know it's about X's and O's and being coached up by their respective coaches. So how much does that experience play a factor in games like this? You know, I think what it, what it goes down to is, is experience, whether, you know, you know, I talk about not playing freshmen and sophomores, you know, but I, I believe, you know, there's a lot of teams right now in the city that have a lot of experience, you know, East high returns 10 on offense. I know Heights returns a majority of their defense back, you know, and, and, and we were, we, 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 excuse me, we uh, return most of our roster. So, you know, we feel very fortunate in that we feel like our kids are ready to go and uh, you know, that they're going to continue to do what they need to do to be successful. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I'm not going to keep you on here long because I know you had to do walkthroughs today. I know you got a busy day ahead of you. But I want to wish you the best of luck this season. And if you had to make a prediction, I'm putting you on the spot. If you had to make a prediction, 
this year. Who wins the G-Wall? And you can include your team as well, too. Yeah, Northwest High School will win the G-Wall. All right. The next question is, how far do you go in state? I believe with the talent that we have and the speed we have, if we stay healthy, we should be bringing our first state title home. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to be following you throughout the season, so I'm going to hold you to that. But I want to thank you for being on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Always a pleasure to have you on. Good luck to the Northwest Grizzlies this year. And, Coach, go get you some rest. Don't try to run around like Superman today. Get you some rest, all right? You have a wonderful my day. Notre Dame, my Notre Dame Fighting Irish play at 1.30, so I know I'll be on the couch watching football. So, all God right bless then. you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, sir. Once again, my guest, Coach Steve Martin, it's always a pleasure to have him on. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and take me a final break and come back, and I will bring this train into the tracks, into the station. So don't you go nowhere. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'll come back to wrap things up. Oh,